Welcome to Security Strategies in Government, sponsored by Anomaly on Federal News Network and 1500 AM. For today's show, we hear from a panel of experts on insider threats. This panel comes from the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which held its recent cyber summit. First up, you'll hear from Randy Trezak, the director of the Insider Threat Center at Carnegie Mellon University's Software Engineering Institute. Here, he gives an overview of what an insider threat program should look like. So as I start off the panel describing insider threats, we like to start by differentiating between insiders, insider threats, as well as insider incidents. Looking around the room, each of you are insiders to each and every one of your organizations. But looking around the room, we can't broadly say that each of you poses a threat to each and every one of your critical assets in your organizations. Really, the goal of an insider threat or an insider risk program is to prevent harm to come to an organization by identifying the insiders that pose a threat to those organizations' critical assets you deem most critical to you as an organization. So starting by building an insider threat program should start with identifying your organization's critical assets, knowing which information, which technologies, which facilities and the people in those facilities need to be protected to ensure resiliency of operations within your organization. And as you identify those critical assets, there's a small subset of your employee population to include your traditional employees, your full-time employees, but also part-time employees, subcontractors, trusted business partners, cloud service providers, supply chain, anyone that you give authorized access to those critical assets. And building your program around the resiliency of operation, the protection of organizations' critical assets should be the foundation of the insider threat program within your organization. So the work that we've done is trying to differentiate between different types of insider incidents by identifying the insiders that pose a threat to those critical assets and helping you to build models around how those incidents tend to evolve over time. To identify things such as potential risk indicators, behaviorally based indicators, technically based indicators as well. And really the key takeaway of what I wanted to introduce you to is that each of you within your organization may have a different scope of your insider threat program because each and every one of you have different insider assets you're trying to protect from insider threats to those critical assets as well. But the unique defining factor is that you do have insiders that have been granted authorized access and your goal should be able to prevent, detect, and to respond as efficiently as possible to insider threats to those critical assets, which starts with identifying hopefully well before uh, those critical technical assets and, and compromises are seen by the organization. So I think that is trying to frame it around, there's a significant difference between insiders, insiders that pose a threat, and the goal is to prevent insider harm through the form of insider incidents to your organizations. Mark Weatherford is a global information security strategist for Booking Holdings. Here, he explains how identity management plays a role in curbing those insider threats. This insider threat is a huge issue for us. And you know, when you have people in very remote locations, the only way you can manage these is through technology, through the implementation of identity and access management tools. So, and I, what is identity and access management? It's really about giving the right person the right access to the right things at the right time. And we have technologies today that allow us to do this with a very low lift, actually. Technologies that are, that are um, easily deployable, easily implementable, and easily managed that give us that kind of access that provides various levels of control for managing who gets where when. One of my friends likes to say, in a converged world, when you have a security incident at a remote location, the most important thing you need to know really quickly is, do I send a guy with a gun, with a wrench, or with a laptop? And really, it's, it's a problem. But with a good identity management product, 
you can identify pretty quickly what the challenges that you need to go to. We have a number of cases, a number of incidents in various critical infrastructures where, you know, you see the same person logging in or badging into a facility that is geographically distant. So you have an issue there with, with identity management and being able to figure out which one of these is the right guy. And most companies today, most organizations today, aren't instrumented to detect that kind of a, of a vulnerability. And I won't say that this is easy to do and easily implementable, but there are tools that most companies, security tools that most companies have today that can inch your way along on this identity and access management path where you can start to stitch together applications and systems and people so that you can actually track and figure out who is where and when. And that's really the biggest issue that we see, at least in my company today. There's been a lot of studies done on this over the years, but one of the most recent ones I saw was an IBM report that said about 60% of all cybersecurity incidents were the result of insiders. And about 75% of that 60% were malicious insiders. So being able to identify where people are and what those people have access to is really a critically important thing for all of our companies and all of our organizations to do today. Kathy Lanier is the Chief Security Officer for the National Football League and former Chief of DC's Metropolitan Police Department. Here, she gives her law enforcement perspective on insider threats and explains how her team takes a converged approach to insider threats. I would say there's always been a persistent insider threat when you think about what law enforcement does, whether it's local or federal. You take workplace violence, all of my employees were armed every day when they came to work, <laughs> for, to begin with. The counterterrorism, counterintelligence threat, um, all of my employees had access to extremely sensitive information uh, in the nation's capital that could easily be used against us from a CI or CT perspective. And I've worked both of those cases with federal partners uh, in my time. We developed a robust internal affairs programs that allowed us to be proactive instead of reactive, because traditionally we were very reactive, through early warning tracking systems, which are very similar and very applicable in the insider threat program. And so now in the private sector, trying to morph what was very traditional security programs into a robust insider threat program is kind of the new challenge. And I'm trying to do that in a, in a very different way. So I think the key for me has been understanding the integration of what you know a modern security program looks like. It goes beyond a physical security, guards, gates, and guns, intelligence, cybersecurity, a digital forensics component, operations centers, goes beyond that into an integration of a modern security program that can create what is your insider threat program that's proactively hunting for the insider that poses that threat uh, rather than you know, reactively waiting for it. And it's challenging to develop this relatively new model because when you integrate the physical security mindset and the traditional physical security folks with the cybersecurity folks. The cybersecurity folks all want to use tools. <laughs> the physical security folks all just want to go after and hunt down the bad guy. And what we want them all to do collectively is proactively prevent the bad guy from getting to us to begin with. So that's kind of where we're trying to go with the NFL. Frank Salufo is the director of Auburn University's McCrary Institute for Cyber and Critical Infrastructure Security. Here, he explains the risk agencies and industry face from insider threats. And if you look long-term at the greatest risk from a U.S. national security standpoint, I will say the greatest breaches of the past decade have been insider threats, more so than external 
externally driven threats. That's not to suggest that we're not getting pinged every day, but the trusted insider has caused more harm to our national security from a, from a theft of information uh, and an intelligence perspective than anyone on the outside has. If you extrapolate that to the private sector, I think you can no longer completely delineate the same risk environment that the government faces, the private sector faces. And what makes the insider threat, I think, in, in, in many cases unique, is that the intentions are so varied. So it could be theft of intelligence or information or intellectual, intellectual property. It could be uh, disruptive and or destructive from a counterterrorism perspective. It can be criminally motivated. And, and my long-winded way of trying to get to an answer is we need an enterprise-wide approach. We need to tie together the CISO's role with the CSO's role, or at least someone above them that sees both those, uh, those, uh, those roles combining into, into one approach, and we need to treat it like we do any other risk. It, it really does come down to uh, enterprise risk. So long-winded way of saying, I, I think we're doing a lot. I think recognition of the threat because of real-world events is, uh, is higher than ever, but I'm not sure we're ever going to get to, to where we need to be. And, and, and the reason I say that is technology will change, and we all want tools, but human nature remains pretty consistent. Uh, and the reality is, is now you have technologically enabled human or human uh, considerations and then vice versa you see how uh, technology enables uh, human operations and vice versa. So long-winded way of saying uh, I, I think the greatest breaches thus far have been insider. I think that there are certain sectors that are really getting it together. I, I think NFL, and Kathy, am I allowed to say you have cyber now under your portfolio? I think that was a wise move. The financial services sector were probably out in front on that before most of the other sectors, followed by uh, uh, the grid and electric and power and energy companies, so I think we're starting to get there, but we've got a ways to go. And the reason I say that is it's not about security. It's about understanding counterintelligence, it's understanding motivations, and then figuring out what steps you can take to disrupt that. Stan Partlow is the Vice President and Security Officer at American Electric Power, or AEP. He says managing the risk of insider threats is a matter of preparing for when, not if, it happens. This is a risk management problem. This is not a security problem. And I tell my staff all the time, we're no longer in the security business. The idea of preventing this is the proverbial unicorn. We're not going to prevent it because we allow these folks to have access to all of these areas, right? It's the most difficult challenge that any organization can face because they're trusted. You've already trusted them, as Randy said, and you're allowing them either logical or physical access to the most important things in your company. So what you're really trying to do is manage it. To Frank's point, we've got to figure out how best to manage it. And using things like early warning systems and using things like Mark talked about with identity and access management uh, to, to understand where people are, what they're doing, and are they trying to access things that they probably shouldn't be accessing? And that gives us a clue that there may be some bigger problem there. One of the things that I often see left out of this program, though, quite frankly, and Kathy touched on it just a bit, is the concept of workplace violence. A lot of times when people think about insider risk or insider threat, they'll focus straight on the cyber and logical piece, and they'll forget about the, the actual uh, risk to human beings. Randy said it well. When you're assessing risk out there, the first thing you have to figure out is what your crown jewels are. I have 18,500 employees. Those are my crown jewels. 
we're not heavily into intellectual property. If you went to Boeing or a defense industrial base type company, their IP, their intellectual property is very valuable to them. And Randy's program teaches them how to protect that. That's really not that big of a deal for me. We don't do that kind of work. I have to worry about critical infrastructure. I have to worry about, as Brian described, somebody pulling the switch that, at least according to the media, makes the world go dark. Uh, I would say be careful what you believe when you read that. Uh, but I'm also really worried about those field employees that are out there interacting with customers every day. And imagine what it must be like to go to someone's house to turn their power off. And you don't have a gun, but they do. And you're walking in their front yard. And oh, by the way, they have an angry dog. And they're not happy about you being there at all. So our insider risk program includes threats on customers. It includes the threats that our employees bring back to the, to the shop, if you will. So I would encourage you not to forget that piece of it. And I'll go just a couple of uh, quick hits on that. One, do you do some kind of background investigation on your employees? I know that can be flawed, especially for us private sector folks. We don't have the resources, and we can't access the information that our government partners can, but are at least you trying to do some due diligence there. Secondly, do you have a mandatory reporting program where in those intervals in between the background investigations, are you requiring employees to report to you when they get arrested or when they get indicted or, they, or they're charged or they're the subject of a protection order? I believe that people are like icebergs. Anybody have a, will venture a guess at how much of the iceberg sits above the waterline? 10% is about 17. I don't know how they figure that out. But 83% of, of our people are below the waterline. We don't see that stuff. All those things that are happening in their lives that might end up in a court action, those are important for us to know, right? That helps us understand what that insider risk might look like from a financial perspective, from a violence perspective. We need to do a better job of understanding that. And then last but not least, and Randy hit on it a little bit, please don't forget about your contractors. A lot of times, the, the robust programs that you put in place for your own employees don't fall over to your contractors because it's difficult to negotiate those things in the T's and C's of those agreements. And a lot of times, people just give up. And so you're inviting, again, people into your house. You've given them that trust factor, but you don't know anything about them. So really be careful there. So how does an agency or company start an insider threat program? Trezac outlines the building blocks to start those programs. Well, certainly it begins with starting with the Insider Threat Program, the existence of it within your organization. If you don't have a program currently today, as you're well aware, the federal government has had a mandate with the executive order, which came out in 2011, 2012, requiring you to build a program if you're within a government organization that handles or processes or accesses classified information. NISPOM conforming change to 2016, now defense contractors are in the same position as well. So the existence of the program should be the first part of that as well. When you're defining the program, making sure you have the key stakeholders involved. As we heard throughout the panel so far, information technology has a seat at the table, but equally important are other parts of the organization to make it an enterprise-wide program to include human resources, personnel security, your general counsel within your organization as well, physical security should be involved in that as well, as well as other key stakeholders to really integrate this into your enterprise-wide risk program, which then trickles down into your enterprise-wide security program as well. So if you are looking to invest, make sure you have a dedicated team. Now that dedicated team, again, responsible for deploying tools that can detect some of those behaviorally-based anomalies or technically-based anomalies, but also to have a key, a key team in place to respond to those alerts that are coming out of those systems as well. So whether you have the resources to have a dedicated team, whether it's a 24-7 operation, 
or you have part-time employees, there does need to be a key uh, few individuals responsible for the deployment of those anomaly detection capabilities. And when those alerts are coming out of those tools that are generating, uh, in addition to the other security alerts, inside of threat alerts, making sure we have a clearly defined process by which when an alert comes out, what are the thresholds to move it to an inquiry, thresholds to an investigation, thresholds to the actual prosecution if we get down to that point as well. So again, the key takeaway is that there needs to be a dedicated focus on insider risk within your organization that needs to be incorporated across your enterprise-wide risk process incorporated with security program as well. And as you heard, I think it was a key takeaway that the, uh, the threat to the digital assets but also physical assets should be part of that program as well. That was Randy Trezak, the director of the Insider Threat Center at Carnegie Mellon University's Software Engineering Institute. This has been Security Strategies in Government, sponsored by Anomaly. I'm Jory Heckman.